We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. It's been a long time since you've heard the voices, all three of us, myself, Julia, Tana, and Rachel. Uh, I haven't seen their beautiful faces either virtually or in person either. So, so exciting to uh, to be together and, and recording again back in the studio, whether we are uh, in a vehicle or in our homes or right in the offices. So uh, it's kind of back to the good old days when we were just going everywhere and, and speaking out to. So we're excited to be recording again and sharing what's going on in our our lives with our audience. Rachel, I'm looking at you. This is so fun as you are en route somewhere. What are you up to and what have you been up to? Oh man, it, the summer flew by. We're now in the heart of fall. I'm looking around driving in beautiful Northeast Iowa and the trees are turning. It is gorgeous, folks, gorgeous. What have we been doing? We've just been ramping up for hunting seasons like it's been an amazing fall fishing season we got that done it will still going on let's be honest yeah we're ramping up like small game is just around the corner we've had some youth events and just getting excited to be out it's not a hundred it was a week ago but it's not a hundred anymore fun to be on the road doing events seeing people and being out Uh, i've got my coffee this morning it's great to see you ladies it's great to hear your voices um and just be back in the she goes outdoors community so uh tana what's going on in kansas oh man it's been so busy i know you ladies get it for sure um one of the big things that i'm excited about is that my personal goal this year was to work within the small community that i live in in kansas and get them Um, involved in some of the programs that KDWP offers for like local schools and communities. And I'm so excited because I'm starting to see some progress there. So our school is getting involved in math. Um, We're doing a hunter education event on November 11th for the school. So um, go Bulldogs. And then what was the other one? I'm trying to think now. Oh, I got contacted by the local library and they want to start a um, fishing gear checkout program. So we're trying to get them hooked up with that and also with the uh, Kansas Ornithological Society adventure packs that have like binoculars and birding guides in them that get checked out through the library. So um, I'm really excited about that. That's still in my cup. Still riding the high of BOW, of course, our uh, fall bow just wrapped up a couple weeks ago and it's just such a blast. And every year gets a little bit more efficient every year. We're just blown away by our participants. It's been a lot of fun. So riding a couple highs there, some big meetings. And uh, yeah, now, like Rachel said, I'm kind of happy to be snuggled up with some coffee. I don't know what the weather's like where you guys are at, but Rachel, if you are driving in this wind, I feel for you because in Kansas, it is blowing. Yeah, we got our puddle jumpers on today. It is raining, blowing. Got that beautiful fall feel where the clouds are one direction and one color. And then the other clouds are a different color. It's just, it's gorgeous. But 
Uh, Tanny, you reminded me, we have a couple Beyond Bows coming up and there's still spots. So I do want to plug them real quick. We have an amazing opportunity to go fly fishing up in Decorah. For those of you listeners that have never been to Decorah, Iowa, it is a hidden gem. Um, we call it the Driftless Area. It's a spot in northeast Iowa and southwest uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin area, southwest Wisconsin and northeast Iowa. There we go. I got my, my map going. Um, and it's just unlike anything else. And and with the fall colors, it's going to be amazing. Um, and then we also have a Beyond Bow pheasant hunt coming up in the Iowa City, Amana area. So if you're on the eastern side of the state, check that out. There's still spots available and uh, it's going to be amazing. So two wonderful events. And Julia, what's going on in Nebraska? Our main weekend event just wrapped up. We are in beautiful Fort Robinson. That is in the northwest part of the state. Like literally you could take a short hike and end up in Wyoming. That's that's how far North uh, west we were the perfect weather. It was it had that cool fall crisp in the morning, and then it warmed up where we were literally down to our shorts in the afternoon. That is the best weather. And frost in the morning is like the first frost we had seen, and then that that weather has cooled off. It's breezy here, and Rachel, you're probably getting what we had yesterday, like that that slam of here's fall. I'm going to give it to you, and one slam of a day and. I love it. Like it just, the weather's changing. It's wet. It's cool. Some people don't like it, but I don't know. I'm like, I have fall fever and I'm rolling in those wet leaves. You know, speaking of those beyond BOW events, we got them coming up too. So here in Nebraska, this coming up by the time this launches though, it'll be over, but we have a pheasant hunt coming up. It's a partnership with pheasants forever. And we are going to be down in Beatrice Cub Creek. We spend the weekend uh, teaching shooting skills and then we hit the field on a um, CSA. So it's it's an area that is a, it's provided for us to be able to hunt because the real season doesn't open up here until the end of October. So we prep these ladies, we do some training so that they can hopefully will hit the field and go hunting on their own. We have a lot of other events coming up. It's just, it's full of mainly shooting and getting ready for hunting programs, but um, I, you know, we're go, go, go. And that's, that's, yeah. And I got to give a shout out to, you guys remember Carmelita from, um, the she goes outdoors boxes. She was a big supporter of us. I think one of the most fun things too about Bo is that we get to meet some of our listeners and some of the supporters of the boxes back when we were doing the subscription boxes. So I got to see Carmelita. It was so, so fun. So Carmelita, if you're listening, thanks for coming out to support. It was great to see you and chat with you. We had at one point out of our 98, uh, 95 participants that were were there we had them stand up a good chunk of them had been to a different bow before like there's this traveling group of ladies that are experiencing them all like one we know that there was a handful of them that had been kansas there was a handful of them that had been in iowa and it's so fun like now they're coming together like we're all gonna go to wisconsin's next year together one story told me that they're gonna go to wisconsin they're going to drive to maine participate in maine's bow event and then fly home how cool is that? I'm like, wait a minute. Can, can we go too? I, I, I mean, I can skip this one and go with you as well. Yeah. We keep talking about shuffling each other around to each other's bows and the schedules get so busy and we haven't worked it out yet, but that sounds like a blast and what a cool caravan 
Uh, you guys mentioned a couple Beyond Bows, and I failed to mention ours coming up. But on November 18th, there's going to be a youth and women pheasant hunt. So that's brought to you by the good folks out at Glen Elders. Um, they are partnering with Pass It On Outdoor Mentors in our state. Uh, very excited about that. And then the local Pheasants Forever chapter as well. So November 18th, be looking for that information at the Youth and Women Pheasant Hunt. Lots of good stuff going on. Lots of opportunities in the outdoors. Definitely. And if they can hear more about Nebraska's programs um, on our Nebraska BOW website, lots of on the Facebook posting, we got got a newsletter even going out and it's just, it's it's been jam-packed. So now you, you all know why you haven't heard our voices and what we're doing. Hey, Julia, I want to step back. You mentioned a CSA. For those of us that are acronym challenged like myself, what does the CSA stand for? That is a controlled shooting area. So what are, we have those in Nebraska. Do you have them in Rachel? Rachel, do you have them in Iowa or Tana in Kansas? We yeah. don't. Oh, okay. Okay. So what a controlled shooting area is, is these facilities are, they're raising the birds uh, they raise pheasant, they raise quail, and then they place them out in the field. The fields look extremely similar to as if I were to go to a public lands that's full of the habitat for these upland birds. So they place them out there and then um, with many restrictions, though, also, obviously, but and we can walk those fields and, and get and learn the skill of shooting or hunting. Oh. And so some of these areas, they provide the dog trainers that go with us. They'll provide mentors. Uh, some of the big ones that we have in the state have shooting facilities so we can practice our trap shooting, our clays before we even go out into the field. We are blessed in Nebraska with some um, phenomenal controlled shooting areas that provide the education and they get what we're doing. We're trying to ex- provide those experiences for these ladies, practice uh, learning before we, we take them into the public lands. Right. So we have similar thing, but they are private entities. Uh-huh. These are private. Game preserves. Yep. Okay. So we just call them differently, but okay. yeah, we have a similar s- structure, but that's wonderful. And Absolutely. what a great partnership to, to get, to expand the, the season and get some more opportunity to get out and hunt. All right, Tana, we're going to put the spotlight on you. We're going to lead into our main topic of discussion here today. And Tana just had a super cool hunting opportunity that I I don't know about you, Rachel, but I haven't heard Jack about like no Snapchats, nothing, nothing. Uh, nothing. I was shocked. I was like, did she lie to us? Did she really go to like Cancun or something? And she just totally lied to us. I figured as soon as she got back into service, we'd get this like just bombardment of photos and nothing. (laughs) Hush. What's the scoop, Tana? Where'd you go? What'd you do? Tell us. <laughs> That's never a good sign when uh, you don't get any pictures or updates from the hunt, right? <laughs> okay, real quick though, before I get started and while I have the mic, I don't want to forget to mention Linda Landerman. And we posted this on the She Goes Outdoors page. But Linda yes. was recently recognized as the Distinguished Director. She earned that award from the National Association of State Park Directors. And so I just she's been on the She Goes Outdoors podcast yeah. in the past. She's one of our most popular episodes. We posted it on the Facebook page. So a huge congratulations to Linda with the Kansas State Parks. Glad you brought it up. You know, and I may re, I can reshare that that episode. So those that are hearing this, they heard on her Facebook, they can they can go back and and hear her voice and connect what we see, why she definitely deserved that award. It's an incredible honor. Yeah, we are so glad, happy for her, proud of her. And, you know, of course, thrilled that she had joined us on the podcast in the past. 
about this bear hunt. So yeah, we were out in um, Pagosa Springs and Durango area. So it's like Southern Colorado. We had drawn a tag. It was one of those where you have to put in for the draw and it, you have pretty pretty good odds of drawing. It was a really affordable tag out in Colorado. It was like a hundred bucks for a rifle tag to uh, hunt for black bears. So it was my first time hunting black bears. I went with two other women, um, one of whom works for the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. Her name is Lindsay, and she was seven months pregnant on this trip. <laughs> yeah, I see. You guys can't see Julia's face, but it is what you would expect. The shock, the awe, the, the uh, feeling impressed. Yes, she's a, she's a cool lady. And then um, also joining us was really the catalyst of the whole trip and the ringleader as Commissioner Lauren Sill for the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. So we just had an absolute blast. It was something that was on her bucket list, and Lindsay and I just helped her form this little ragtag bunch, and we went out and did it. And so none of us had ever had any experience hunting bears. It was a completely self-guided trip, so we were not sitting over bait. We didn't have a guide with us. It was, you know, let's go out in the woods and, and hike around. It was an awesome experience. I'm speechless right now. Like, I'm just, I know Lindsay, I know Tana. Three of you must have had just a blast. I mean, I I, I can see y'all, like, meeting up at this, like, side of the road and, like, packing your vehicle together and just like, well, did you bring this? I did too. I did too. Oh, now we have three of the, you know, just this like fun little adventure of just packing the vehicle and the road trip to Colorado, let alone making camp, cooking and camping and, seven and months pregnant. all of the Hello. pieces. Yes. We had a, a lady yeah. that was eight months pregnant at BOW and oh far from home, like, holy smokes, like, Two out of my three pregnancies, I was I went in labor at eight months pregnant. So I'm like, you are awesome. And she rocked it, too. She's actually going to be our next spotlight in our BOW newsletter going out in October. But seven months in a bear hunt. Like, (laughs) that's so cool. And did she get along well? Like, how was it? She did. She got along great. And (laughs) Rachel, it was funny that you mentioned um, showing up and having like duplicates of all the things. We were laughing so hard the entire time because each of us is used to being that person that's like thinking outside of the box about the things we might need. And it's like, oh, cool. You brought one of those too. You also brought one of those. Oh yeah, I forget. We're all prepared. Because a lot of us are used to recreating outdoors in like a mentorship capacity where we're helping other people. And, you know, Lauren, especially, she teaches a class where she actually takes people llama packing, like out in the wilderness that have never never really camped before and takes them out of state and shows them how to do these things. And so she was used to being that, like that person and the teacher that was dependent on and had to have all the gear. And so I think she had a blast too. And we all did of getting to let our guard down a little and be like, everybody we're with has everything they need. They're very capable. We learned from each other too about little things. Um, the zipper fell off my pants on day one. And so I was very fortunate for Lauren for bringing a little bit of super glue that I could put on the end of my zipper to make sure that Zipper didn't fly <laughs> off the tracks. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny. Okay, so set the scene for us. So you guys drive to Colorado. Mm-hmm. So are you staying in this like super posh hotel? You're camping. What are what is what does base camp look like? Yeah, we were roughing it. We were roughing it. Um we went up into I think it was like National Forest Land. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was called, but you know, poor Lindsay ended up she was a trooper through and through and she hiked and hoofed it and carried her gun. I mean, she was hunting. Every single one of us had a tag and we were all hunting. Some of those roads were a little bit rougher. And as we were like jostling around trying to get up these mountain roads, she's trying to hold her core tight to support her belly. 
and some of the jostling ended up pulling her belly against her ribs and she either tore or severely strained the muscles on her ribs that like connected with her belly. So, um, you know, after a couple of days in, she was really feeling it, you know, she didn't complain at all. And we're like, Hey, we can go home early. And, and she opted to stay out there. So we were rough camping the whole time. The most luxurious thing that we did bring is Lindsay said, I am not going on this trip unless I can bring my pregnancy pillow. <laughs> so we had the full like giant U shaped pregnancy pillow in the back of the truck. <laughs> I don't blame her. I don't blame her one bit. It was awesome. And she insisted on having her own tent, you know, and Lauren and I shared one and then she had her own tent so so that she wouldn't wake us up when she got up a million times in the middle of the night to pee. Understand. (laughs) But yeah. That pregnancy pillow pretty much took up half of that tent. So understandable. Yep. That's true too. But yeah, it was, it was all primitive camping and we prepared all of our meals in advance and kind of shared those responsibilities we had some stuff that was dry, some stuff that was in the cooler that we ate earlier on, some good jerky and trail mix and snacks. And yeah, I ate a lot of tuna packets. How many evenings <laughs> did you stay overnight? Um, it was like a 10 day trip total. And that includes drive time. So oh, wow. yeah, it was a long trip and we, we moved locations once. So we set up in one spot and it, everything looked really good, but we just weren't seeing the ton of bear and there were a lot of people there because there's this, there was an elk season going on as well. So we stayed there for a while and moved on to the next site. And at the second site that was closer, closer to Pagosa Springs, I believe, we saw a lot more bear signs. So that's when things really started getting exciting. What is the first, what was that one thing that you were glad that you took? Like you, if somebody was to go on a bear hunt, what is that one thing that you took that you could not have left been on the island without okay i've got a couple things i'm gonna try to keep it short and sweet um (laughs) one of those was i had mentioned i think i mentioned before i left for the trip but i purchased a pair of those detali pants and we had interviewed the detali founder on the Mm -hmm. she goes outdoors podcast and i can attest to her pants those held up great i loved them i was so glad because i didn't i had some hunting pants but they were more like kansas hunting local they weren't all that tough and rugged so I invested in a pair of those and I invested in a pair of Prios pants, which is another women owned, women run um, hunting and outdoors company. So I was very, very happy to have those. And then another thing was right before I left, my boss said, make sure you go and buy a box of moleskin. And he's like, yep. it's for blisters. You need to have a, a box of moleskin. And I'm thinking, you know, I bought my boots and they're really comfortable and I've worn them around a little bit and haven't had any issues. It's like maybe, you know, I'll go buy a box, but I bet I won't even need it until the last couple of days. Day one, both of my heels were blistered entirely. I mean, it was like my whole heel was blistered. And so that moleskin absolutely saved my life. And the, yeah, definitely. Moleskin? Moleskin, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, You can just get it in at Walmart and come like the band aid section or something like that. It's usually in that area. And what it does is it just reduces the friction. So if you do get a blister, what he actually had me do. Um, some people will put it like in the back of their shoe, but when I was doing that, when I would put my foot in, it would roll it all up. Uh-huh. And so I was actually putting the sticky side of the moleskin over the blister, which sounds scary, but it, it feels all fine without hurting the blister. But it, yeah, it reduces that friction, adds yeah. a little extra cushion, and it saved my life. But so, ouchie. It's kind of like a band-aid, Julia. One side's super sticky, and then the other side's like the most soft, plush feeling on earth. And a lot of people will cut like, the circle around their blister out of the moleskin and then just plop it right on. And it just, mm-hmm. it just protects Good to know. magic. It made a huge difference. Definitely. And I did get to take my um, new rifle. I can't remember if we talked about it on this podcast, but I ended up splurging 
Um, I bought myself a Christmas present last year. I got a 6.5 Creedmoor. It's a Weatherby Camilla Vanguard, which is their women's rifle that's designed specifically to fit a woman. Um, and, you know, kind of the curves of our body, a little bit shorter stock, a little bit lighter weight. And I tell you what, it was phenomenal to carry that thing. Obviously, I didn't get the opportunity to shoot it, although I did harvest the deer with it um, in our October antlerless season. But it was so cool to have that out there and uh I don't know, just feel like I had equipment that was made for me, that I was outdoors and that I wasn't wearing some man's hand-me-down pants. I was I was outfitted. So I really appreciate all the companies that are considering women in their in their line. Now you had mentioned you didn't have a unfortunate didn't have the chance to uh, harvest a bear. Did the other two have a chance to harvest a bear? Unfortunately, no. It was so, so dry out there. And we were in an area that had pretty high um harvest success, you know, when we looked at harvest reports from previous years. Um, so we were feeling hopeful, but unfortunately we did not harvest the bear. We did see a lot of signs. So when I mentioned sign, we're looking for uh, typically scat and that scat on a bear looks, uh, it's kind of like dog poop, but if it had a bunch of like acorn shells crushed in it, it's usually pretty dark in color, um, can be bigger than a, than a dog scat. And, uh, almost like if raccoon poop was, was bigger is what I would describe it as. And so we were keeping an eye out for that. And of course tracks as well. Um, but you're less likely to see tracks. And there were a lot of cattle out there, which is something that surprised me. I didn't realize that, um, you know, that land would be leased out to ranchers and that they could graze their cattle on those grounds. So there were a couple of times where we were hiking and we would get really excited and stop because we saw a flash of something big and black moving through the through the gambrel brush. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a cow. It was so. a bovine. <laughs> yeah. So do you have to, like, I can just... Inv- thinking some of the ladies listening are like bear. Oh my gosh. Like, are you concerned at all of being attacked by the bear? Do you sit in a blind? Like you mentioned quite a bit doing a lot of hiking and walking. Uh, What's that look like when you're in the field hunting bear? That's a great question. And there are multiple different ways to hunt bears. Some of the most successful being hunting bears with hounds. Then also you can sit in a blind and like bait bears in certain areas where that's legal to bring them in. And that's a great opportunity. I know there's opportunities to do that in Canada. I know some folks that have gone and done that. If you really want to see a lot of bears, it's kind of a cool learning opportunity there. But where we were at, that baiting was not legal. And we were just spotting and stalking. Um, A lot of hiking around, a lot of finding areas at a higher elevation and trying to glass or look down with our binoculars into open spaces into canyons and then pinpointing some of the things that we know the bears will need. So we were looking for those gambrels oaks that had acorns on them and the bear will be eating those at the time of year, any berries. And then because it was so dry out there, we were focusing on water sources as well. Kind of what we were looking for. There's also a little bit of a cheat where, um, you know, if you know of like an elk hunter, for example, that was able to harvest an animal perhaps the smell of the blood or whatever has brought a bear in. And so that might be an area that you could target more, but yeah, for the most part, it was a lot of hiking, spotting and stalking, looking for sign and uh, trying to find those bear trails and water sources. And Hunter Nikolai, uh, that, that was our R3 coordinator um, in Nebraska, and, and then now he's our hunter education uh, coordinator. He also went on a bear hunt. He was in Wisconsin and, you know, his a little bit different where he could, he was on a guided situation that um, they were baiting. And it's so fun to like hear what they bait him with and just like sweets, just funny, like donuts, like they were putting out donuts for the bear. Again, unfortunately, he didn't have the opportunity to see one either prior to this, his season. Now, the season he was in, 
did not allow for hounds, but hounds were in the season before him. So in, in Wisconsin, they do a switch of season where if you could do with hounds, those seasons go back and forth, like switch. So next year, the season where they can hunt with hounds will be after the season without hunt hounds, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So it's, I, obviously it's different perspectives in different parts of the, you know, our states and, and what they allow for. But I kind of like the adventure idea that you took, Tana, where like there was no baiting. You were legitly were out there doing the the survival, going back to the days of the, the true, the true hunter gatherer. Tana, you spent 10 days on this adventure. What was, what was your biggest takeaway? Like what, you think back on it now, you're sipping coffee, nice and warm. What do you reflect on? Hmm. You know, that's a good question. There were a handful of things that really surprised me, I guess. And one of those was the camaraderie of Western hunters. And, you know, here in Kansas, being a mostly private land state, people can be a little bit territorial about their land and about the opportunities on them. And even about the game, even though obviously the game is not privately owned, it's that the resource for the public to share. But, you know, we ran into so many people that were willing to point us in the direction that they had maybe seen sign or seen a bear people that as I was hoofing it back, hiking, just like dying of exhaustion, pulled over in their ATV and offered me a ride back to camp, <laughs> which I was very thankful for. <laughs> yeah. So just a lot of friendliness. There was no weirdness. I mean, you know, we pretty much closed up and locked up our, our camp when we left in the mornings to go and hike, but there was never any fear that people were going to mess with our things or that people were going to steer us in the wrong direction or be territorial about spots. And so it was, it was really nice. There was an air of respect there in an area of like, Hey, we're all out here trying to do the same thing. I wish you luck. You wish me luck. So that was really, really cool. Another reason you guys didn't get a lot of like photos or anything from me is I took that opportunity. We were, we had pretty spotty self-service anyway, and we knew that going in, but I took that opportunity for 10 days to more or less leave my phone lay. Just cut. I had it in my bag just in case of an emergency. Like, you know, for 10 days, when is the last time any of us stopped for 10 days without our phone or without having to think about work, any of those things. So that was a blessing. And it really, it kind of brought me out of my fight or flight panic a little bit that we all get into when life is so, so stressful Um, and gave me a little bit of a more, a bigger picture perspective and a little calmer. And don't get me wrong. You guys know how I am. So I still get anxious attacks, but (laughs) um, yeah, it was, that was the one thing that I really carried out of the, the woods with me. It wasn't a bear, but it was that kind of renewed sense of grounding and that's awesome that's that's wonderful to hear that i think as females sometimes we we really question our surrounding and people are unsure you know no we're going to do this for 10 days by ourselves we're going to rely on our preparation our research our just our own instincts and we're going to trust the people around us that they're going to let us you know be on our own and and be at peace. And it sounds like you found that, which is so, so amazing to hear because it seems like we always hear the horror stories. You always hear the bad. Um, And it's a refreshing reminder to hear the positives and and that you had a wonderful experience in that light. I mean, yeah, we'd all like to harvest. There's no doubt. You'd love to have that story and the meat to provide and, you know, share it with family and friends. But now you have the stories and 
maybe a couple photos <laughs> to to enjoy just those memories. It's super exciting. It was. And, you know, you were talking about like some of the things that we as women tend to do. And another thing that we as women tend to do is um, get down on our bodies. And it was nice to be out there in that space and A, kind of not be thinking of that, but B, giving thanks to our bodies. And we were all obviously in very different situations. You know, Lauren was a little bit older than us. Um, Lindsay, obviously very pregnant and me having no excuses, but also not ever exercising quite that much. And <laughs> so it was amazing to get out there and to give thanks to hike up a mountain at whatever speed was comfortable for me. I get to determine that and get to the top and feel so grateful for all that my body can do. And it's not about the way it looks. It's not about how thin it is or how curvy and all the right places it is my body can do amazing things. And that was really refreshing too, to value my body in a way that was outside of that physical appearance. And by taking that time that you were there, you also allowed yourself to acclimate to the surrounding. Here in Iowa, I mean, there are places where we're literally a couple hundred feet above sea level. And then you're in Durango and Pogosa Springs and all these places that are at three, four, five, six, seven, the numbers keep going. And, you know, when you're when you're based at such a low number, I mean, I kind of joke because if you drive from eastern Iowa to western Nebraska, there's a 1500 foot elevation change just in that east west drive, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just keep going up once you hit Colorado. So and and you don't realize that as I'll call myself a flatlander, you don't realize that um, until you're there and you're in that moment and you see this. Oh, it's just a little hill. Oh no, it's a little hill at five, eight thousand foot that mm-hmm. just beat me up. And then you get to the top, and then you have that opportunity to celebrate and rejoice. Like, holy smokes, I just did that. So that's, exactly. that's, uh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, and we were consistently between probably seven and I don't think we ever got up to ten thousand feet, but maybe seven and eight or nine thousand feet. So we were up there. You know, another cool opportunity we had is even though we didn't get a chance to get on bear, you know, we did see some of the signs. We knew they were in the area, but I got really up and close and personal with some other wildlife encounters. And that was really, really neat and made me feel better because I was like, maybe we're just being too loud and noisy. Maybe my stalking skills aren't that great. And then when you get up within archery range of an elk, it's oh. like, oh, okay, no, my my stalking skills are, are, are fine. <laughs> There's just not a bear right here in this particular area, but yeah, we had multiple opportunities where we were within archery range of um, elk. We saw some cow elk, a group of cow elk with their calves. And then um, as we're kind of looking down the hill, on this, we're on this kind of logging road, looking down the hill at these cow-calf pairs. And then I hear something in the bushes in the brush above us and look up thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe it's a bear or whatever else. And it's a big bull elk just like maybe 30 yards from us. And so 30 yards on either side of us, we've got elk. Um, and some of them are starting to bugle a little bit and make sounds. It's a little early still. It was just so neat. Uh, grouse as well. We saw a lot of grouse, and that was really fun. So many chipmunks and ground squirrels. And honestly, that was those <laughs> things really <laughs> cause a racket when you're in their area, and they let everybody know you're there. <laughs> you did mention there was elk hunters. So, uh, what is it's open? open season right now for archery or is it or what is it for elk right now in Colorado yeah I believe it was archery season when we were headed out to BOW uh which you know obviously we're bound on the interstate uh 
and there was, you could tell there was elk hunters flying by us. And it was pretty cool. Cause I mean, you could just mm-hmm. tell they're hunting elk. They got their big coolers. They got their four wheelers. One like had wrote in the dust of their vehicle. It says elk killing. So, you know, it's just kind of fun. Like they are convoying out there as this team and this camp of families, guys, women, headed out to do hunting similar to what you did, Tana. It is amazing. Some of the camps that we saw, like the elk camps were just ginormous. I mean, imagine like 30 tents all strung together, connected by like tarp shade covers. And, you know, maybe a handful of them had elk tags, but there's so much social support and camaraderie. Like you mentioned, Julia, where people are going to be camp cooks, they're going to help scout and, um, you know, look with their binoculars or people are just hanging out and birding and being there in case they need to help pack out. It's just such a different culture than I guess what I'm used to here in like the area of the Midwest that we're in. You know, we've got a lot of great cultural elements here too, but it was, it was really, really neat. It makes it inviting to think about trying it yourself because I definitely would be intimidated by a, just being out there 10 days. And then what am I going to experience? Where am I going to put a camp up and, and um, even to do it with just a couple of ladies. So kudos to you and bringing back also to bring back that, that positive story to, to us and the listeners. So what's next? Where are you three heading next? That's always the next question, right? Well, next is Lindsay's going to deliver this dang baby of hers. She's due November 9th. So we wish her a healthy, wonderful, positive delivery experience. And, you know, hope she gets that baby home safe and healthy. Uh, it sounds like her ribs should hire just about in time for her to have to push that baby out. Oh my so hopefully goodness. they do. And oh, she's not in so much pain. I bet her OB is just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, I think this goes without saying, and obviously this podcast is not the place to go to get your medical advice. But if you are going on a trip of that nature and you find yourself in the position where you are pregnant in any stage, do be sure to check in with your medical provider. And um, Lindsay was very careful to lay out everything with her doctor beforehand and make sure that she had that approval and support mm-hmm. and that they could give her some advice on things she could do to both stay comfortable, but also keep her and baby safe. So just my little safety caveat there, because it's not a podcast if I don't say something about safety. Absolutely. <laughs> we all have our soapboxes that we live on. I, you had mentioned that llama packing. I'm like, Huh, maybe that's something the three of us could do. How fun would that be? Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Lauren has um, llamas that she just raises personally, and she takes them on pack trips. And she said her llamas are all rescues, and so they're starting to get to retirement age. So I don't know how much she'll be doing with that particular group. Cool opportunity. And um, we did all agree that it was something that we would like to do again. So we will probably be applying for the same tag in the same general area next year. And I think we might be, <laughs> might be, inviting our husbands to come along as well. And if not our husbands, just some other friend group to try to expand that experience and get other folks out going with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. As far as other hunting coming up, I mentioned that I did, uh, I went out with my husband and we both got deer for the October antlerless season in Kansas. So those are processed and in our freezer and we've already eaten some of it. So that's been wonderful. I met a gal at work that recently just started that has never hunted before. So we will be out um, hunting together and hoping to get her a little bit of mentorship and connection and support so she can get into the realm as well. Share the love. Hunting to me is such a, is such a weird thing sometimes. Like even working within this world, a lot of people don't talk about, you know, what they're doing outside of work at work, right? We have folks that I would never have ever dreamt enjoy fishing or hunting and then randomly because of work they'll come up and ask specific questions i'm like this is is something you want to do 
let's do it. And so I have a friend at work who's just getting in, taking one of our learn to hunt classes about pheasant. I'm like, okay, now I have a friend at work, A, B, I have a friend at work that hunts. C, I have a friend at work that hunts that we could go hunt together. This is exciting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And so I, I challenge our listeners, if there is something that you enjoy doing, don't be afraid to talk about it. Remember, it's not a bad thing that you enjoy being outside. You enjoy spending time doing things besides work and invite coworkers that you enjoy being around to do that with you because you might find out that they have all these extra special skills that you can glean information from. Then maybe it's not hunting, but maybe they're like the most amazing Dutch oven cookers, something like that. So uh, challenging all our listeners and myself to talk a little bit more about at work, about the things you enjoy doing. I'm just driving through the countryside right now and it is beautiful. I forget sometimes how gorgeous the Midwest is. People always think it's just rows and rows of cornfield or rows and rows of cattle field or rows and rows of trees, but it's, it's pretty special. And this is certainly the perfect time of season get out or and on top of that too you do not have to be an expert we talk about this all the time but you don't have to be an expert to share what you know with somebody else i just got into hunting like five years ago and this was my first out-of-state hunt and you know like i can go and find friends in the outdoors and we can struggle through it together and diy it together you know just get out there and be willing to try something new share what knowledge you do have be open to learning from others like rachel was saying It's such an awesome thing to just be out there and to be making mistakes and growing together. Any last words to share before we wrap this up? Rachel, anything? Enjoy fall. It was, it's so good to see both of your faces. It's so good to talk with you. We were talking about this a little bit offline, but I think we get so caught up in the humdrum, humdrum of, of life. And I know I get sucked into like, when's football practice? When's, when's cross country pickup? When's, when's this, when's that? Like, Find that thing that reminds you to reset. For Tana, it was 10 days without her phone, saying goodbye to the world and just living in the moment with some good friends, laughing and learning. For me this fall, it will, let's try try again. This spring, summer and fall, it's been figuring out how to take a 12 by 16 building and make it into this cabin that you can actually sleep in. So what's a, what's a square? How do you use this saw? I know I could do it, but how do we do it? How do we figure out this angle? That's what I'm working on right now too, is just trying to live in the moment, find those things that find you peace. Um, It's certainly not every hour, every minute, every day, but finding something to ground you and, and get out there because fall is such a magical time, which We've all kind of touched on this podcast, but I'm feeling refreshed right now. So I I appreciate chatting with you ladies and I'll uh, I'll get off my soapbox now and and toss it back to Julia. Yeah, definitely. I, you both bring up some solid points there is just find that uh, what can bring you down or not bring you down, but just bring you to the level to be able to just clear your mind. Sounds odd, but I sometimes it's just me being outside and talking to the cow, right? It's just, or in when we're weaning calves and just the piece of okay, it's it's the wrap up the season. It's cool, you know. We're moving to the next stage of this uh, experience of raising cattle. It's it's like that year end harvest. Am I also like just to be able to sit outside? 
with, I want to admit, like a can of beer and you just listen to the combines going. It's just, it's that sound of success. It's that sound of harvest and it's just that peace and then, or the wind blowing and then storms brewing in. It's just, again, it's a sound of, it's the sound of outdoor that, that we connect with. To, for that inner peace. Well, ladies, I really appreciate you letting me tell my bear hunt story on the podcast today. It's always good to talk to you. And um, listeners, I challenge you to get out there, put yourself out there, try something new. If that overwhelms you and you're looking for resources, one of the things that really helped me was there's a whole bunch of resources from REI that have like packing lists for what they think you should take on a backpacking trip. Um, none, I don't think any of it was really hunt specific, but we were doing a lot of kind of backpacking, camping out of tents, et cetera. So um, those resources are out there. If you need packing lists, if you need broken down recommendations, um, there are lots of resources online. So don't let that intimidate you. And of course, you are always more than welcome to reach out to us at She Goes Outdoors, and we're happy to point you in the right direction of of educational resources, of support, whatever you need. So, yeah, thanks for for tuning in, Julia. You want to wrap that up and take us out, Tina, Rachel. As always, it was fun. It was educational. It's great to hear your experiences. Great to see you. For our listeners, if you enjoy this podcast episode, please give us a like, a thumbs up. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Share this message. Uh, any of your your podcast following apps, we're there. We're there with you. And until then, we will see you outdoors. <laughs>